0: Show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rock the driver's seat. From Barn Fresh to concourse Ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in Riding your ears. ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves, and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market magazine and American Car Collector. Magazine. Writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road, Road Muscle, Muscle Radio is on the air. Welcome back. Buckle up then. Be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook. It's on Twitter and at RoadMuscleRadio.com for our links, our blog, and of course our podcasts. I'm Catfish Groves. I am Brett Hatfield. Coming up in this episode of Road Muscle Radio, we have scoured the internet like Bill Clinton's web browser, searching for fun stuff. Some of what we found if you miss the chance to bid on this amazing collection, well, you aren't the only one, we make a time for the A-Team and some odd engines that went into production vehicles.
1: And some of those... I, I love the idea of jamming a turbine and a car. <laughs> it's a and, a... and a car that looks like a 63 Dodge Dart. Well, yeah, and the other... <laughs> It'll keep people from tailgating. Well, there is that. And you, you can cook <laughs> hot dogs while you're trying to in, in park. Uh,
0: but in segment two, we catch up with Hot Rod Express, the dream factory of horsepower in Bling in Blue Springs, Missouri, when Rick Hunter will join us right here on Road Muscle Radio. In this past
1: week, Brett, uh, what have you been doing car-wise? You've accused me of knowing everybody in the car world. Well, you do. Well, I don't. I, I know a lot of them. I want to know everybody. <laughs> You're getting there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my my dad, I've turned him into a bring-a-trailer junkie. Oh, my God. He's addicted. Good yeah, man. He, Good he man. is. And uh, well, last week, while we were looking at uh, Cameo pickups and Nomads and Corvettes and stuff like that, he bought a little Mercedes convertible. Again, this is the... Wait. Again? Again. He's done this twice on Bring a Trailer now. <laughs> so same you, car. Oh, okay. God. Same colors. And both very low mileage. And Needed one for the other pocket. Yeah. yeah he told me uh, that he bought the car. I looked at it. And then I looked at the seller and I said, um, Dad, I know the guy. Oh, God. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you know that guy? Well, I, I know said, the guy. I, I know this guy. I know this Dean Lumbuck. <laughs> Uh, I wound up uh, getting hold of Dean and saying, Hey, that car you just sold to old Jim. Old Jim is my dad. He said, Oh, really? And I wound up talking to Dean for a long time. And now I've become the Ursats uh, go between between Dean oh, nice. and my dad. Dean sends me pictures. I send them to dad. <laughs> anyway, dad's about to get his new little Mercedes convertible. He's fallen in love with those R129s that were made between 1990 and 2002. Okay. And uh, Because they were third cars for a lot of people, there were a lot of them that didn't have many miles on them. And he's out searching for ones that didn't have many miles, and he just loves them. You know, i got to admit, there's Uh, oh, this sounds so weird.
0: There was a girl I dated uh, when I was in radio uh, two and a half, three decades ago or more. <clears throat> You'd only been in radio 20 years at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a young whippersnapper, and she uh, she was from Kansas City, and actually she still lives here. I'm not going to say her name, uh his, history, but uh I'm
1: afraid I'll know her too.
0: Mommy, you probably do. You, anyway, mommy and daddy uh uh had some money. Mm-hmm. She was a Stevens College girl. Oh. And uh, Columbia, Missouri Stevens College is where the, the rich ladies went and uh, and then slummed for country boys like me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. She and I dated, and she had a, uh, a Mercedes, I think it was compressor, like one of the very first ones that came out, all angular and kind of short and stubby and small and two-door. I
1: love that car. I bet. That was the coolest car. Never rode in it. I've never driven a Mercedes that I wasn't fond of for some reason.
0: My uncle, even uh, here in Kansas City, this was, oh, God, a long, long time ago, uh, Ford Corporation, uh, Dick Wagner, his uh, little zip-around town car was a Mercedes convertible, but it was kind of one of those kind of ovally-shaped, bobby mm-hmm. ones from the, I think, the early 70s. And they were, uh, one of his advice and my Aunt Carol's advice, because they were both brilliant uh, salespeople and brilliant business people, was that never buy new. Don't. Yep. No.
1: And there's a great reason for that. Uh, I was looking at the new Lincoln Aviator online today. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've been looking for a little uh, for a sport ute for my wife for a while. Nice. That's a pretty one. Yeah. It's very pretty. And I saw a blurb where they said it was just terrific and uh, compared it to the Mercedes sport utes. Yeah. So I read up on them. Sounded pretty cool. Went to the Lincoln website. Started to build what i would think she would want looked at the price tags uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> we need to remind you that lincoln's are now back into being luxury cars again y- yes they are and when they start at eighty thousand oh my god yeah When well, that's where you begin that's yeah wow I started thinking about all the things I could do with ADGs if I just had it laying there burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> and uh, there was a pretty good list. <laughs> Love you, honey. Here's a 2002 Ford Escape. Get yeah, on it, girl. <laughs> not one of them started with go buy a Lincoln. <laughs> Funny how that works. Mm-hmm. So uh well, cool. Uh, Dad got a got a new vehicle. He did, and, and uh, I'm very happy for him. But now he's got two of those Harley trucks that look just alike, and two of the little convertibles that look <laughs> just alike. And I told him, I you know, your neighbors are going to think you lost your mind, and you're just buying multiple copies. He's building stuff an ark
0: in the backyard, yeah, <laughs> two, two by two Mercedes and
1: trucks. <laughs>
0: ah, COVID! I have seen the end of times. <laughs> Good on you, Dad. We'll work it out. Well, uh. We've, uh, I haven't really done much here. I, I was, no. you know, all last week I was all hot and bothered, man. I was hammering it. And uh, I got a little disheartened because one of the cars that I really liked sold. And I was like, you know, and it was that one I was talking about last week. Which? Oh, gosh. <laughs> there is that. The uh, 68 uh, Chrysler 300. Oh. It went. It, it was at the right price, and somebody didn't wait
1: and, and be stupid like See, I did. and when we talked about that, that was a good-looking car. Yes. It was good enough, even I'm looking at that, thinking, you know, that's not bad. I'm not much of a Mopar guy. But, but that front end's so hot. Yes, it and, was, uh, and I'm not surprised that it sold, because it was yeah. a good price, and it was a good-looking car. And the fact that it was in the middle of BFE doesn't matter. Somebody with a trailer will go collect the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh you know, and it's good a, on them. good, and on, them. And good but, on them. But but damn it, just because it's in a Quonset hut, dead center in the middle of <laughs> South freaking Dakota,
0: <laughs> <but> you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you know, uh, well. that's probably why I had to price it that way. I had to convince somebody it was we're spinning the three hundred seventy gallons of gas to get there.
0: <laughs> it took a little bit of the wind out of my sails, <laughs> so I I took a little break.
1: I haven't been combing FB much at all. Uh, I I want to man. I don't want to be the guy that says, you know, you'll find love when you're not looking for it. Uh, every time I've gone and looked for a car and had my heart set on one, and it's sold, and I thought, well, screw this. do Within a week, I found the one I really liked. <laughs> and wound up going, I'm pulling a trigger on it before it gets away. Uh, I'll keep that in mind that there's this
0: girl still waiting for me at the dance. Somebody. <laughs> We've got a lot of news. Uh, in, it was a fun week for looking around, but I found some kind of odd ones for this week that I thought were awfully fun.
1: This uh, was a heck of a collection.
0: From the uh, ocregister.com, triple W, uh, Cal State Fullerton's found a buyer for the $10 million collection of post-war sports and grand touring cars that were donated by Nicholas Begovich, an engineer, philanthropist, and longtime Fullerton resident. He uh, died May 3rd. Now, if you think about it, that uh, by the at this recording, that's like three weeks ago. Yeah, that's a pretty quick turn. Three weeks, and $10 million worth of cars are gone already. Mm-hmm. Where the hell was the auction on that? Where was Bring a Trailer on that? I'm guessing it was uh, a very narrow audience. I think so, and I, I think that he really had a, well, according to the article, uh, the Adrain Automobile Museum in Newport, Rhode Island, bought the collection for future display. A museum now bought the collection. Sure. This wasn't a private uh, owner who would, you know, there was no bidding war. Uh, the CSUF officials announced Wednesday, May 20th. The collection has already been shipped to the museum, a university spokeswoman said. So I mean, it was like bada bing, bada boom, we are out. Money from the sale will support the university's Center for Gravitational Wave Physics and Astronomy. <laughs> uh huh. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, there, there's going to be some very happy nerds shortly because that's a chunk of change coming yeah, their I, way. <laughs> I understood the wave part. <laughs> You know, I, I hope they understand when we hit this list of what those cars were, what they missed out on. They should have at
1: least gotten to take them for like, you know, a little happy drive or something. Well, I'm guessing that none of the students that this will benefit ever looked at the results and said, oh, cool, dude. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, my, my gravitational waves out on
0: the surf, dude. Totally. California. The Begovich car collection included a 1951 Talbot Lago Grand Sport, <laughs> A 52 Jaguar XK120.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I'm not familiar with these. A 53 Pegasso
1: Z-102B? I, I had to look them up.
0: Are they pretty? Yeah. Very nice. A 54 Pegasso Z-102 Series 2 Cabriolet. 56 Porsche Speedster. I didn't have to look that one up. No, I I even kind of know what those look like. A uh, 56 Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Gullwing. Can you believe that crap? (laughs) I was reading a story, uh, it was last week, about Gullwings, because my wife actually, and I felt so stupid, I thought Gullwings were just anything that kind of went up. And she's like, no, they go from the side. No, they go up, because I'm the car guy, and I know the things. And she doesn't like cars, so I know it. And I had to look it up, and and I that was a hang my head walk into the living room. You
1: know Didn't what? Didn't that suck having to go back and tell somebody? Oh, oh you were right. no you were right. right, and I've been wrong for a very long time. But uh, <laughs> but now I'm not as stupid. Uh,
0: 1962 Corvair um, uh, Monza Spider, cool little car. Yeah. 64 Alfa Romeo Ju- Gui- G- Gu- G- yeah? Giulietta Sprint Speciale. Nice. Yes. 64 Porsche 904 GTS. Oh, wow. a pretty one. Mm-hmm. 66 ATS Automobili Turismo Sports. Yes. Yeah, in Gigana. With
1: pepperoni. Uh, ATS was a bunch of guys who left Ferrari.
0: Oh, Automobili Turismo Sports, ATS. Mm-hmm. No kidding. <laughs> 69 <laughs> Lamborghini Miura. That's right. the one that got me. 70 Chevrolet Camaro SS. Now nah, you're yeah, in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, 73 Di Tommaso Pantera. And I even knew what that was. Yeah, that's kind of one of your wants, isn't it? Yes, it, it is and uh ninety or uh, seventy four maserati bora mm-hmm. seventy five ferrari dino 208 g t
1: four which is uh, for those who don 't know it 's a ferrari three hundred eight gt four but in italy they 've got they used to have a uh, real big hefty tax on things that displace more than two liters or two and a half liters or whatever oh my so God. they took the three hundred eight and did a smaller cylinder bore. And I know on the 308 GTSs and GTBs, they did turbos on them, but I don't know that they did that on the GT4. It's a, it's a smaller displacement 308 GT4.
0: Oh, my. God. Well, that's like you know, with the the various uh, two-seater cars where to get it uh, past the taxes and, and some of the liabilities and stuff, they glued in what they considered, quote-unquote, back seats. Oh,
1: yeah. It's like a, a
0: half-thought of a back seat. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, you know, eh, if it costs less, it costs less. Officials said Begovich had wanted the collection to remain as one piece. Now, I think that's a big part of it. It was their yeah. collection. They wanted to re- remain one piece, and they had help from Jay Leno. Who uh, connected with
1: CSUF officials? And I'm yeah. guessing that's how that sale went so quickly. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, I know a guy. I'm Jay Leno. I know this guy. <laughs> Here, have a collection. Here's ten million dollars. Yeah. Jay, no, Jay Leno knows everybody. <laughs> I don't. Yet. I wouldn't even be surprised if Jay Leno was the one who paid him. Here, here's ten million dollars. Is that enough? Can that get across? Done. Nah. You don't think so? Nah. Nah. Yeah. They uh, they but, were able to find a, a buyer willing to honor those wishes, and it was done.
1: Very very cool. The, uh, the next story. I know your, your gums are sweating about this. <laughs> Go ahead, revel in it. It's so ridiculous. Have I, your moment. I love it so much.
0: Um, now, the A-Team, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I have ever watched an entire show of the A-Team. I have. Now, I, I had friends who had the, uh, you know, uh, pity the fool, uh, you know, notebooks in junior high sure. and stuff like that. but. The A Team van I always thought was kind of cool looking, and there's a there's a small story, but behind the A Team van, it's a GMC Vandura, which I had
1: never freaking heard of. Um, this is how you can tell you're a true car guy early. You'll watch an entire crap ball show just to see the car. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty of that with A Team. Dukes of Hazard, uh-huh. Hardcastle and McCormick. Oh my God! Yeah, and man. a number of other shows. Knight Rider. I didn't give. I, I was hoping Michael Knight would get killed. I wanted to see the car <laughs> go off and do its own thing. Kit, I wanted Kit to have his own show. Yeah, Kit, uh, he seemed to be. <laughs> he, he had his own crap together enough. I thought he should have, you know, just gone cruising on his own. Screw Michael Knight.
0: Well, you know that was one of uh, about the only reason I ever watched Rockford Files. Yeah, uh, but my, you want to my see my that 74 to, Firebird. Oh, yeah, and watch him do those, you know, 180s in the middle of the road. We used to do, sorry, Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You're about to find out something. My friend um, <laughs> from high school and I, mm-hmm. uh, he rolled a 66 Mustang three-speed that had a six-cylinder. So his parents' as punishment bought him a 68 Mustang with a 351 in it. Oh, that's smart. Oh, it was, yeah. that was. <laughs> I never understood that move. I appreciated it. But I never understood it. But uh, he and I would go tooling around after we got off work. Yeah, this is in Branson, Missouri. (laughs) Flying down the highway, we'd strap in. He's like, dude, you ready? Ready? I'm like, okay. I'm grabbing the door. He's got the wheel. And it's on Highway 65. It's 1 to 2 a.m. in Branson, Missouri. There's not a soul anywhere. He pops that uh, emergency brake up, spins the wheel, and we're just on the highway. (laughs) Off we go in the other direction. It was uh it's kind of one of those stupid things that's like really cool if you think about it but I can't tell anybody because it's
1: so stupid and dangerous in retrospect. I had friends. <laughs> we actually practiced doing the Rockford. Backwards across a parking lot. Oh no. Crank the wheel, jam the brakes, throw it in neutral, whip it around. We practiced doing that reverse J turn. Oh, you did it the back? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Do the Rockford, baby. <laughs> Well, the A team, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen that,
0: and sorry about the whole Rockford Files thing because there's so many people who are like, what the hell are you talking about?
1: Yeah. I watch the Rockford Files and can't miss my bat lock. Yeah, if you, if you watch Colombo just to see the Peugeot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Shaking the dust off of that memory. <laughs> the A-Team was 48 minutes of cheese with explosions and a cool pedo van. If you're below the age of old, you might need a refresher on that. The A-Team was a group of special forces officers who escaped from a military prison. They were put in there by a, for a crime they didn't commit. You know,
1: Did you have to go back and watch the beginning of an
0: episode to get this? I had to do research, man, because I, I could remember. I, it took me a while to remember George Papard's name. I'm like, uh, what was it? Uh, breakfast at Tiffany's breakfast. What the hell's his name? Uh, crap. So I had to look it up. Uh, there was Lieutenant Colonel John Hannibal Smith played by George Pappard. I love it when a plan comes together. Lieutenant Templeton Arthur Faceman Pack played by Dirk Benedict. Is uh, he still alive? Yes, he is. He's, oh my Lord. he's still kicking. He goes to a lot of, you know, Comic-Cons and stuff like that because he was in that other big show. Uh, you've got Sergeant Bosco Albert Bad Attitude Barracus. Which, I don't know why Mr. T... Oh, that's right. The, that's the actor's name. I, I didn't know the, uh, the character. It didn't make sense to me ever. Bosco Albert Bad
1: Attitude Baracus. Extra points if you can tell me what Mr. T's real name is. Uh, Steve. No. Lawrence. Lawrence T. Rowe. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not sure why So, I Mr. T.
0: That. Yeah, I get it. Okay, now it makes sense.
1: There you go. Thank you. Captain
0: H.M. Howlin' Mad Murdock, played by Dwight Schultz. Mm. Hey, whatever. <laughs> and... <laughs> One of the most important characters since an airborne orange Chrysler, the A team van, the 1983 GMC Vandura. Now, the Vandura and its close cousin, the Chevy Sport Van. Now, I remember Chevy Sport Vans mm-hmm. from, from, uh, high school and, and, you know, various kids' parents had them. They were built for customization. They could be purchased with three different door options, six engine options, six different engines to pick from, four transmission
1: options, and they had three different wheelbase lengths. I want one of those short wheelbase suckers with a 454 in it.
0: Oh yeah, little stubby van and, 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 just... and a
1: turbo 400. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Let's make this happen. And lots of uh, shag carpet.
0: Lots, lots of, of shag lots carpet. Of of. Show's production team added a grill guard, footlights, a red spoiler on the roof, red rims, and then that iconic red stripe that ran along the sides. Now, all in all, the show went through around eight vans in its four-year run. This that's one's... a lot better than the Dukes I had. Oh my did. God, those guys. They destroyed so many chargers, they drove the price up. It was amazing. uh, That's a whole different story. Uh, (laughs) I was just about to go spiraling off. Uh, It goes without saying that uh, with all of the stunts the show pulled off, all the vans took a real beating. Once a van was used in a jump, it was usually useless after that and had to be replaced. What you might not have realized is, this is where I found the story, story kind of funny. The show's replacement vans weren't exact replicas, so they didn't exactly go through and make sure everything was the same. That's close. Hell, yeah, let yeah, it go. Whatever. <laughs> like, like our fans will notice. One of the most noticeable inconsistencies is that in some teams, the A-team's van has a sunroof
1: in others. And in some scenes, <laughs> not so much.
0: it? Doesn't. There was one I read about where uh, one of the team members had uh, had to jump onto the roof of the van, which had no... No, hold on. You're looking down. The shot shows there's, there's, yeah. It's just a van top, and then the next scene, he's jumping through (laughs) the sunroof into the van. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's convenient. And it goes even deeper. In some rare cases, production, the production team substituted the typical GMC Vandura for a Chevy van, and even a Ford Econoline van. You're
1: kidding. (laughs) You're kidding. Yeah, I just painted the same. What do they think that we're, the people were so enthralled with the depth of the show, they're not even going to notice that the van's different?
0: Yeah, you know, that would be like changing George Pappard with some other blonde guy and going, yeah, that's, that's the same guy in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, it is. just show from the back. That's Sammy Hagar. The biggest of the change was an odd choice, and and this big of a change was an odd choice, given that the GMC logo... Is like super visible on the original one, so it's kind of hard to miss. But I guess you'd have to look for it if you're not looking at the action. Now, if you want to see an actual surviving A-Team show van, uh, it's in the Hollywood Cars Museum in Las Vegas. What a surprise. And there are videos up on YouTube about how to make your
1: own A-Team van. So, I want to go back just to something that was mentioned in the article. Yeah? When they jumped a van. You've driven a van, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know you got that the front wheel is right there about where your foot ought to be. Uh-huh. Jumped a van. Jumped. <laughs> a – There's not a cage in the world you could put around me that would make me feel good about getting one of those suckers airborne. Not a chance, Jack.
0: Yeah, it's uh the ones that I drove I drove them for uh, radio stations mm-hmm. uh, when I was a uh, disc jockey. <laughs> and yeah, that's they were they wanted you to die in them. Oh yeah. Because there were just a big metal box Not... that didn't ride well.
1: No. And ours was a big uh big Chevy van. And where's the concentration of the weight? Granted it's a big steel box. But it's an engine, and it's not only in front of you, it's next to you. Covered with a piece of crappy particle board, (laughs) smothered in shag and vinyl. Ah, Good times. Oh, baby.
0: Okay, now, speaking of engines, you've got a list that's pretty interesting.
1: Five of the strangest engines that ever made it into a production. Uh, This comes to us from Haggerty, I assume, since it's written by somebody, again, I know. Of course. Kyle Smith. Kyle, hey, if you're listening, get... Hey, Hey, Kyle. Nice job on the garage, man. looks really good. I'm impressed you did all that work by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Told you. Nice. (laughs) Well, he moved into a new place, and he had a a detached garage, and he's redone the whole thing, and it looks really nice. He's done a great job. Has he invited you yet? Hey, Kyle. Hint. Uh, I think he'd have me up to help him detail all the stuff in the garage. (laughs) Kyle Smith wrote an article about the five strangest engines to ever make it into production. Uh, from the wonderful weirdos at Haggerty, our oddball designs and manufacturers sent out into under the hoods of production cars. They yeah. The stuff that's made it in. And I love the first one, uh, the Tatra air-cooled V8. You ever seen a Tatra? No. It looks a little like a lozenge. <laughs> it really really does. It's kind of it's teardrop shaped in the back comes down to a tapered point in the end and oh. the V8 is in the back and it's air cooled and believe it or not I reviewed one of these at the 2017 or 18 Russo and Steel Newport Beach auction. Uh Oh a, wow. a dark blue one with a really light kind of cream colored interior. Uh, Tatras are are weird cars, but they were way ahead of their time with this. It's a 1937 Czechoslovakian. Say that three times fast. Uh, Automaker, uh, Tatra had a three-tier V8 that was air-cooled. Uh, Had hemi, have spherical combustion chambers. Hemi, did did you just say hemi? Hemi? Did you? Hemi? Hemi? Oh look, a hemi, a 1937 Uh, hemi. I think if I say it three more times, you might have some kind of a. a I'm gonna have a reaction. Complete freak (laughs) out over there. (laughs) Uh, Power output was 75 horse, which was pretty contemporary, uh, rivaled Ford flathead V8s at the time. Uh, the design worked so well that Tatra kept making them all the way through 1975. Oh my God! How f- many years is that? That's almost 40 years. That is a long. That's a long time. Long production run, and their final iteration put out 166 horse, which was more than the base model Corvette engine that year. Now, <laughs> that was the lowest horsepower rating in a Corvette since 1954. Oh my God. Yeah, the 75s were just anemic. They were so choked by emission stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were god awful. But a, an air cooled V8 in the back of a Tatra, really cool little engine. That's pretty sweet. The Bugatti W16. This is, this is everything weird with the world.
0: It's so cool and so. It, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like both of his
1: arms in a motor. This is what happens when you let engineers go, when you let them go unobserved and unrestricted, (laughs) when they're, when nobody's keeping an eye on these guys and they cut loose. Did you watch the video? The video on this was great. It was five minutes long about the production and assembly of this W16. And it's almost like two V8s fused at the crank with a common head in the center. Yeah. So the head in the center is massive. And the cylinders are offset, so they're not in a straight line.
0: Yeah. That's what was so weird, kind of like when I put cookies on a sheet and I'm yeah. I'm trying to bake them and I fit them all on there and dunk, dunk, they're zagged like the stars on the, uh, on well, the flag, if you and did that's your pistons?
1: In, what the hell? If you did them in a straight line, think how long the engine would Oh, my have God, to yeah, you would be ridiculous. But, but that he head that. wound up being huge. Yes, it did. And just watching them make it, it was so complex, and there was so much going on. But <laughs> think about what they get out of it. This is for the Veyron and the Charon. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I saw something about the Charon crack 300 miles an hour. Jeez, oh, oh. now we know why. I have I, it. Yeah, <laughs> horsepower figures that have a comma in them. Four-figure horsepower. Uh-huh. Like 1,600 and more horsepower. God. But what an amazing engine and so complex. And, man, I'm glad I never have to work on one. Yeah, amen. Uh, the Wankel rotary engine. Yeah, the Wankel. Which was adopted by Mazda in 1961. Uh, Wankels have lots they have fewer moving parts they have fewer parts entirely than a regular reciprocating engine but they also have a lot of uh, odd characteristics you know they eat more oil and they, they-
0: the wears, uh, There's wear on yeah. the parts that are inside
1: it that's a little faster, and, yeah, and then, then they start bleeding. It, it's just, it's very, very interesting to see one operate in a cutaway.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, my God, that's that's just brilliant that somebody figured that out. But damn, it's not great. It, it <laughs> is brilliant. But if you've
1: spent your life being a traditional reciprocating piston uh-huh. engine, and then you watch a wankle, you're like, that's wrong, man. That's, <laughs> that's wrong. That's witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> That's not supposed to work that way. Cross my eyes at you, you evil. Yeah. Uh, they, they are very, very interesting to watch. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. I love this. And Jay little has got one of these. This is so cool. The Chrysler turbine engine. Now, they only made 55 of these things and they destroyed most of them. 46 of them. 46 46 went into crushers. I want to kill somebody with my bare
0: damn hands because if nothing else, save the damn car and put a different engine in it because that back
1: end was a mess and I loved it. It was cool looking. It was everything that was both wrong and right with the 60s. It was very, very neat. Uh, the engine only produced 130 horsepower, but 465 pound feet of torque. It's <laughs> like a diesel, yeah. <laughs> in a truck. Uh, but it was just it's 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 a turbine. It's a jet engine in a car. Now you got to imagine
0: it's a it's a 1963. I I had to look it up because I'm yeah. like that looks like a Dodge Dart, and then I looked it up I'm like that was a Dodge Dart ish ish. <laughs> and yeah, it had a, a few minor adjustments, and then it had that. Butt end where the the hood, it's like, okay, your fenders came out on the mm-hmm. back, and then they swooped in toward the middle, and then they had a big pointy thing
1: at yeah. the back. It and was you like take a, one look at that, and you say, what kind of Batman-looking crap is this? Yeah, oh, totally, and that's where the turbine came out. That's yeah. where, where the exhaust well, came probably out. probably where George Paris got the idea for the Batmobile. I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me, and it sure looks it. And it's a, what a fun, stupid car. It sure keep people from tailgating you. <laughs> <laughs> there is a. <laughs> what do you mean there's no paint on your car anymore? Yeah. Oh, come on up.
0: Come on up. Yeah, well. I'm going to have some fun to laugh at. Stay the hell off my back end.
1: <laughs> Cook hot
0: dogs. So that's uh, it, And it's sad, yeah, that 46 of them got crushed, but it's kind of cool. That,
1: uh, and Jay Leno has one. There's an episode of Jay Leno's Garage on YouTube. You can look it up. And he talks all about the Chrysler turbine car. Very, very cool. Now, the last one didn't make it into a car, it made it into a motorcycle. And this is something I was familiar with because in the late 80s, early 90s, I was a very big Honda fan. In fact, I've had a bunch of them. Yeah. And this was a Honda race bike. They wanted to do an ultra small displacement v8 but because of restrictions they decided to rather than having the v8 they fused two cylinders into an oval that i have never seen neither had anybody else before or since Ugh. so they made an oval piston v4 <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> it's all, not an 8 it's a not v4 an eight.
1: It's a V4. It's got
0: a, a displacement, And
1: it, it was for their Grand Prix, Grand Prix race bikes. It's a Honda NR750. If you're ever... This is such a neat thing. If you're ever looking for something to read on, if you just want to see engine weirdness, go look up early 90s Honda NR750. It, it, they took it racing, and the thing was fast, but it was weird. It had a 101.2 millimeter bore. God, Isn't that... It's just weird. <laughs> and... The more you look at the pictures, the the question that keeps coming up in my mind is, how the hell do you do the the piston rings for that?
0: Yeah, and it had the two uh um hanging down from the piston. It had yeah,
1: yeah. It's just it, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Each piston has two piston rods.
0: Yeah, and I'm like I this makes no sense, which made me like it.
1: (laughs) Kind of of makes you wonder if they were feeding the engineers at a Honda peyote buttons or something (laughs) like that. Anyway, really, really cool article. You can find that on Haggerty. You can find the link at uh, roadmissleradio.com. Kyle. Great article. Oh, by the way, Kyle is a huge motorcycle guy, so not surprised the NR750 made
0: Not surprised it. at all. Coming up in our second segment, Rick Hunter from Hot Rod Express is going to stop by, fill us in on some of their latest, coolest stuff that they've been up to, which if
1: you look on their Facebook page, they are up to some seriously cool stuff. I try not to. I just I can't afford it.
0: Yeah, it's, oh man! Even just the seat. Anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk to him about that. Plus, where he thinks the market might be going for renters and car artists in a potentially post-COVID environment. Stick around; more Road Muscle Radio is coming up. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. Find us on the web at roadmuscleradio.com, on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio, and on Facebook. And if you know a story or you have some cool pics of your own, uh, I... I'm a big guy for the first car picks. This was, you know, oh, my yeah. first love, and I love seeing those. If you want to share those with us so we can share them maybe on Facebook or on our blog, please email them to driver at roadmuscleradio.com, driver at roadmuscleradio.com. We'd love to share your story, and maybe even if you kind of tell us, uh, you know, how you came upon the car. Mine was found, by the way, uh, my mom was a bartender when I was a kid. And she knew her son was uh, starting to look for vehicles, and she wanted something safe and was chatting with one of the guys that had stopped by the lounge at the Roark Motor Lodge. And he, um, he designed signs, and he said, you know, I was out working at such and such down in Arkansas. All my cars came from Arkansas, all apparently, the ones I want, yeah. apparently. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he saw one in a barn, and we went and looked at it, and it was the ugliest damn thing I'd ever seen. So but you my, took it home. My parents browbeat me into it, and I'm so glad. 1955
1: Plymouth. Uh, Yeah, it was safe. I was trying just to stay away from my mom was a bartender and saying, well, that explains an awful lot. (laughs) That that does tell you a bit, (laughs) does it
0: not? Uh, And also, also we'll see about uh, if you know somebody with a great story, we could have an interview with him. Now, joining us now is a guy who was on Road Muscle Radio way back when we first started. Uh, He's been on our sister podcast, Driven Radio, more than once. Uh, we had a special interview with him at uh, uh oh, well, the wheels. wheels, which was so all much fun.
2: It was yeah. the last time I've seen you.
0: Yeah, crawling through all your cars and me just, uh, you know. Luckily, if you wipe drool off fast enough, it won't eat the uh, paint. It's, uh, oh, my God, those were beautiful vehicles. And why are we having him back again? Because he's cheap. No, no, actually, it's because Rick Hunter is one of the co-owners of Hot Rod Express in Blue Springs, Missouri. You've got to check this place out. It is amazing. The custom work that they do, uh, if you want your your baby to be factory fresh, like it rolled off the assembly line, they can do that. You want it modded out so far that NASA wants to take your sweet ride into orbit, they can do that, too. And the cool thing is they'll even explain their tech work in your language. This was really nice for me because uh, I'm am I'm, I'm pretty you know I'm basic yo, and uh, and Rick has t- told me about stuff that I've asked questions and just explained it through, and didn't make me feel as stupid as I probably was. So it was really appreciated. Rick, thank you for joining us again on Road Muscle Radio.
2: Hey, you're welcome, Brett. It's it's fun to be back again. It sure is. Just trying to get back to some normal, some car repairs.
0: Uh, amen. Hey, man, now, now that we can, now that uh, some doors can open. It, uh, yeah, what a, what a strange, strange time it's been. By the way, Hot Rod Express, uh, for our new listeners, like uh, uh, I went looking, and we have a listener in Craven Arms, UK. Where is that? I have
1: no damned idea, wow. but I freaking love the name. I sometimes wish we could go to all the places that people live and listen to us. Just because oh, I want to see where they are. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, they, there's been some surprise places showing up when I'm like uh, UK, Spain, Russian Federation, this and that. And I'm like, really? Oh, this is cool. And then I found that one Craven Odds. here in Craven Arms, UK. We listen to these two bumbling Americans talk hey, about hey, their hey, juicy hey. bits. <laughs>
1: hey, I'm not nearly as bumbling as I used to be. They've gotten better.
0: So, uh, for anyone who doesn't really know about what is, uh, you guys do fabrication uh there's performance upgrades uh this that and the other well okay rick about you why don't you tell us all the
2: fun stuff all the fun stuff stuff everybody needs
0: when it comes to fabrication like there was one vehicle i saw where you you made this the a new centerpiece for the dash so that they could put a radio in and it was a big honking piece of metal
2: some of them we get in here has a great big hole from all the the 20 years of stereo shops is trying to fit stuff in there and then we we're trying to fill in, you know, re-weld a piece back in so we can put something that looks cool and doesn't look like a super tuner 2 anymore, you know, so. You know, you know I, so I got I to admit, I know what those were, you would but, have to have done
0: some work on the rear deck of that 1955 Plymouth, because when I, you know, I retrofitted those 6x9 Jensen triaxials in it, it was not pretty. <laughs>
2: A hacksaw or hatchet. There you go. (laughs)
0: My dad's tin snips. He was a metal worker. I used those. (laughs) And and there was a lot of screw holes drilled. It was a (laughs) flat-ass mess. but uh, okay. uh, I've seen that
2: I've seen that method before too. It, it'll get you there. It'll make a, <laughs> make a big hole sooner or later. <laughs> they made noise
0: and that's what I needed. Uh, how about performance upgrades? What, what are your, uh, what's some of the stuff that you do when you talk performance upgrades?
2: You know, it's, it, it's kind of what the, how mechanical the customer is sometimes and how hands off or hands hands on that they're able to do, you know, capable of doing. So a lot of the motors we do now, we, we buy a lot of them from GM performance. I mean, you know, that, Two year, fifty thousand mile warranty on six hundred horsepower. You know, so nice. It it's just uh, it's just a great package, and we're doing a Camaro for a customer right now, sixty nine Camaro convertible. Of course, <laughs> the guy his family bought it when the car was about a few years old. He drove it through high school and college, and his dad had it. And so we're putting new LS power in it, new LS three five twenty five, and the automatic package, and you know, nice suspension front and back, and and just all the all the modern. Stuff, you know, just rigging it with all modern electronics and heat and air and steering and brakes and So it's actually gonna be and, really uh, nice
0: to drive now.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah it'll, be, it'll be it'll be real ever. nice to drive. Now it'll be it'll be fun. Anybody would like driving, it. you know, updating the interior to better seats that we can all fit in, you know, since we're bigger now and <laughs> You know all that stuff. Uh,
1: What's this wee business? Um, What's this wee business? I resemble that remark. You're not wrong though. Are we all in this together?
2: Guilty as charged. Here on the news.
0: Oh, that's too funny. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Separate together at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. That is me. So with the performance yeah. upgrades, then we step into paint and
2: body, and you guys have done some magic there. That's that's the that's the very end of it. That's that's the the end of the project. All the hard work comes way up front, you know. Then then the wax is the last thing you do before you go cruise. So yeah, great prep it, will make uh, a
1: paint job easier.
2: Yeah, great prep. Uh, we just got one actually. It's we got most of it. It's a '76 Bronco, but rest, original restoration. We just got out of the booth yesterday, cutting in most of it, and we'll finish. Uh, couple more pieces tomorrow and we'll be able to put it on the chassis and start uh, start the assembly process of it but it uh there wasn't a whole lot left of them you know when you get them they just kind of all <laughs> rotted away so.
0: i've got that we've yeah i've got a that of, list a, a
2: lot of weight back to the old truck
0: <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk to you about that one because i was betting there was some uh, serious ventilation going on in that and then you guys even your upholstery just Mm -hmm. shockingly pretty is and do you guys do now is that done in-house or do you take that out of house oh yeah some special design everything
2: in-house we we help with design through the customers on what they want or don't want and and whether it's just original type restoration on one back like it was when it was new or something that's close to what it was when it was new but a different twist on it or just something that's just has a whole modern feel and amenities and and products and there's just such a variety of fabrics and leathers that you can use that you you can do whatever you want and our trim department does such a great job getting that stuff done that it just looks great i mean you know the threads the cool part of an interior anymore you know just it's that's the part that's the part you see and feel every time you get in the car doesn't what's underneath it's nice to know what you have but and every time you get in the car and sit down that's that's the part that starts you
0: well, let's move on to that 76 Bronco project. You've got a bunch of pictures of it on Facebook, and it's like you, you took that thing down to the bare bones. What what was the uh, story on that when it rolled in?
2: Well, the, the man that owns it, he'd had a Bronco. He's a Bronco guy. he would had him earlier in his life, and is at the point in his life now where he can do you know what he wants to do, and he found this old Bronco. Um, I don't know if we got any before pictures on there, but it was an old orange Bronco, a Ranger, so it had to it was a fully loaded Bronco and orange, which is kind of a unique color. And, but it, you know, the fenders had been sawed out of it and had some great big super swamper, you know, uh, 35 inch tires on it where it'd been off-roaded a lot. And dude, of course yeah. the, the doors were missing. The roof was gone. You know, the only thing it was was a windshield and a roll cage, but it was just an old, you know, run up and down dirt roads for the last 20 years of its life probably. And, and he had found it and we kind of, Completely disassembled it, fixed it, and putting it back together to look more original when it's all done. He wants it to look original with original hubcaps and the whole deal, you know, so. Now, but, uh,
0: is this like a, okay, I don't know if you can even answer this question because I'm, I'm thinking about no. that. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it have been cheaper just to kind of go find one?
2: But, you know, it depends on what you want. I mean, this way you can, you can pick every aspect of what it well, is, is and you know exactly what you've got. There's no regrets. You know, when when you're done, no shoulda, couldas, I wish it was this color or, you know, so you're able to pick exactly what you want going through it and you know the quality of what you want when you finish. It's not something that's just kind of prepared for a a quick sale. Um, And, you know, so and, you know, some customers like this guy, he he, he enjoys being a part of the the decision making and the process and watching it evolve and, and knowing it's his baby when it's all done. You know, it kind of makes it mean more to him. I get I get that something. a
0: lot because I, I one of the things I love watching on YouTube is uh, vehicles, you know, will it start videos and these young guys going out into fields and dragging some POS that has no right to be anything but more dirt. And they pull it out and they figure out how to get it started and get it rolling. And I'm like, you know what, that's. That's really cool.
1: Full of rats and critters and yeah. antivirus More. and all kinds of stuff. They have to take
0: tetanus shots, you know, as part of their wrenching <laughs> skills. But, uh, oh, yeah. Well,
2: they, they're, they're that bad. They're that, you know, they're that rotted out. You know, some of the ones we've gotten in here to restore, I mean, it, it, it included a chainsaw. To get a tree that had grown up between the bumper and or where the motor used to be. You know, I had no hood. There'd be a tree there, you know, eight inches in diameter. And somebody dragged that in, and you had to figure out. Oh, yeah. It. I've cut trees out of them myself. You can really cut the trees out of the cars and pull them in and, you know, start after it. Nice. So. Well okay, well that's it's not, it's not the ideal car to start on, trust me. If you can find a better <laughs> one, we'll look for a while, that's for sure. That's but, a
0: that's a lot of sheet metal you got to go out and buy and then reshape.
2: Um Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you got to kind of pick your fight, you know? I mean, if you <laughs> if you're somebody that's that doesn't have patience, um you may just try to find something that's already pretty much ready to go. But if you've got a little patience and you want just what you want, it's no different than building a custom home. I mean, if you, this is what you want, you're real picky about your stuff this is the way to go and and uh it's just awesome when you get done it's got a guarantee warranty it's just like buying a new car well and uh, so, and it is a new car in all the ways and broncos with the new bronco coming back out again i mean broncos are they're they're sought after right now they're they're a valuable piece it is kind of funny yeah they
0: that they're starting to come back up again because that new one looks pretty cool Quite honestly,
2: I mean, and even the baby Broncos. Yeah, Bronco. to be honest with you, they're, they're just you know they're about like an F one hundred pickup truck. There's, I mean, it's it's just an old Ford truck with a you know with two doors and a roof on it, a Bronco. So there's not a lot of really you know special technology there. It's an old pickup truck with a different body on it, but uh, they they sure are valuable and uh, they're pretty iconic. They're fun to drive and ride around in, you know. So they. They get a lot of attention uh,
0: with that seventy six bronco that you guys rebuilt uh, and the condition that it rolled in in that uh what's the what 's the biggest basket case you ever had brought in that you that you guys brought back to life what is the the vehicle that in your memory was the one just in the worst? Why are you even doing this condition
2: oh we 've had some that uh, are just just terrible we've had some old street rods a long time ago you know like back in like 32 fords or 34 fords that you know they're drug in out of a field no only thing left is the roof and i'm I'm not exaggerating there's just nothing left of the car so you just kind of jig it up buy all new panels and build you a car but uh wow some of them are just terrible some mustangs we've redone have been nothing left but just pieces. A lot of Mopars, you know, the same thing. They're they're valuable, so they're worth fixing. But some of those, you just you call it a rebody almost. You replace about every panel on the thing, you know. So, but it's all doable. And if you do it right, and back to factory specifications and welding structure, and I mean, you got a you got a car that's more solid than the next guy. It's got a car that could be 20 years old with some rusty, creaky seams in the car. That's not as strong. So. When you're when you're done you got an awesome piece you know and you know what you got
1: yeah time to call dynacorn <laughs> yeah those
2: guys are for those guys thank God for dynacorn a lot of ways you know because they they do make a lot of lot of pieces for a lot of cars and that's what's made this so much easier to do now I mean it's if there's a car that you can't buy parts for then you're fabricating them and the price just I mean, it, it doubles and doubles and doubles trying to make something sometimes. To, yeah, at least is it you there, can like... buy, we call them starter parts. They're not perfect, but they're a whole lot better than nothing. Right, don't you add at least so, two zeros when you have to break out an English wheel? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it starts getting there, that's for sure. And then, like, like the car you had, Brett, that, that old Dodge you had, now that thing, it's like finding parts for it is just needles in a haystack. There just aren't any.
0: That was one of the blessings because uh, – I bought a 56 Plymouth thinking, and we, we've made fun of it before because that's when I also bought a welder. And uh, I don't have either one of them anymore. And this 56 Plymouth, I ended up, all the money that I spent on the vehicle and all the tools that I bought and this and that that I got in the stupid carburetor for the six flathead six that I bought because I knew it needed a carburetor because it didn't have one. Didn't know if the engine would even work, but I bought that carburetor. It was on eBay, uh-huh. new old stock in <laughs> um, All this stuff that I had, I paid for easily out of the, uh, selling off the parts of it because I had two front fenders that there was a little bit of rust going on uh, at the bottom of them, back of the wheel well, but those eyebrows that are always just gone on uh, mm-hmm. those yeah. 55, 56 Plymouths were perfect and guy yeah. came and bought them both and there was a bunch of trim I, I sold trim to some dude in florida who sold it to another guy in south africa <laughs> and i was like oh, well really? yeah. wow, uh, six degrees well, of separation a, look at me
2: luck. yeah
0: uh, oh it was it was the uh the parts were real popular and what i had left i gave all to the uh, plymouth club of kansas city and even that's an interesting story god bless him there's anyway no okay. well we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that story later all right so um one of the other things I thought was really interesting on your Facebook page was a 1965 Mustang, speaking of Mustangs, that you guys are working on and you've you've taken out and you, you're making it all pretty, but one of the series of shots that you had in a post
2: was about painting the dash. What was so weird about that? Well, the dash was just in pretty bad shape. You know, It had dents and rust and it had been spray canned half a dozen times through its life and and so we just stripped the dash and fixed the vents and sealed it and painted it. And what you've probably seen is where the car was masked off. It looks like it's a, just in a cocoon, but it's it's just some big sheets of plastic wrapped around with some tape to try to try to cut down overspray. It's a it's a finished car, you know. The, uh, the it's been painted and the motor's nice and stuff like that. So we didn't want to blast the whole car with overspray.
0: There's there's no no taking the dash out, or would have that have taken much more time? Oh no,
2: they're they're welded in. Oh, my gosh. On, the, okay. on that, oh, that kind of car, they welded in. It's, it was just pretty cool. A
0: just the dash. We, we mentioned it a little bit. We kind of alluded to it. During the shutdown in Missouri and in Kansas, places had to just flat-out close. And because, yeah. you know, you're... You are a, a car building shop and a you know a hot rod uh, shop, but it's not like you were doing uh, people's uh, oil changes and you know uh, gas filters and stuff. In a second, you're going right. to say
1: they were not essential, and
2: I'm going to disagree heavily.
0: <laughs> they were essential to our yeah, hearts. Well, but it was the government. To us,
2: yeah. but, you know <laughs> this this happened all with a like a 48 hour window of you know what do uh. you do? And uh, you know in the beginning of this, we all had information that sounded terrifying and terrible and, you know, everybody had a little bit of, not everybody, but, you know, a little bit of a fear factor and, well, this is what we've got to do. And anyway, we did what the county had ordered. So we went home for a while and, uh, and uh, one of my partners and I kept, uh, after things and, uh, keep the wheel spinning while it was gone in a sense. And, and, uh, just waited for the green light to go again and we're going,
0: (laughs) Now, that's one of the things uh, we talked about uh, pre-recording, which just fascinated me or and surprised me. Uh, first off, how do you see the market going for uh, people that do what you do, rebuilders, resto modders? Uh, how do you see that market um, continuing? Do you think you're going to have a decline? Do you think it's going to continue growing? Because it was growing for so
2: long. Well, I think it, it, it's, it's always going to continue growing. And, and one thing, you know, we've been in business here for over 25 years. And, and I've been doing this, you know, since I was, since back in the late seventies, you know, I'm um, not at this level of course, but uh, one thing we've constantly known, you know, we started here years ago, my, my partners and I love street rods, you know, cars in the twenties and thirties and early forties. That's, that was our business. That's what we wanted to do. That's what we did. And you'd look through the shop back then, it would just be all street rods and you know, but the the age demographic of people that want cars, it changes every year. Every year, people grew up with a different car when they went to school. People had a different car when they got married, and and that those, those decades of cars are getting newer to us. You know, we're, we're really into the 60s and, and into the 70s cars now, but that's the customer base that's really after these things. There's still street rods out there, and we still do a few, but not as many. So you got to change with the times going on. So where the future is going to take us, I don't know what guys are going to be doing with the cars that are new today. someday, you know, rebuilding them, the cars they grew up with. I guess you just
0: they'll be plugging kind of them in to, to figure it out lamps. as you go, and
2: that's what that's what we do in a sense. You know, we kind of evolve with the times. And I've every, every shop that does the similar work to us. I think they, they sense that also and, and the good ones will move with those times and, and try to keep up with it and, and try to be the best in it and, and constantly evolve with it. I mean, you, if you just stick with, Hey, I'm going to do 34 Fords forever. And and that's great if you've got a niche and you got a customer base and you're known for it and you can make a living doing it, but it's hard to do with all your eggs in one basket. You know, you need to diversify a little bit. Now, when you guys were kind of during your pause period, how were
0: the suppliers? Were they all uh, paused too and with too much stock
2: and not enough time? You know, a lot of them I'd contacted because I I was uh, in here trying to get parts ordered for, you know, future projects and stuff going on, things like that. So I'm talking to some people in in the warehousing industry that supply parts for cars in the aftermarket uh, capacity and restoration sheet metal and stuff like that, and you know, I'm talking to these guys and they're like, Man, we're just getting blown away. We're having record months. We're working six, seven days a week to try to keep up. We can't keep product on the shelf. And this was just uh, during March and April. Um so <laughs> uh, but all the people that were off work were taking advantages like, hey, I'm gonna build a motor. So I mean I tried to find a, a rebuild kit for an LS motor it was putting together. I call and it's like nobody's even got pistons in Kansas City for one of these right now. You know, oh so my gosh. It it uh the parts uh, you know with this downtime. Um, a lot of people were able to move their projects forward or get really interested in things or, Hey, this is, I've been trying to do this for five years and I'm off for a couple of weeks. I'm going to get after it. But so the, the enthusiasm is definitely out there. And that just proves that even if it's things that we're not seeing here and other people aren't seeing in shops like us, there's, you look around at these cruises and all these cars and a lot of them, majority of them are done by the owners of the cars. You know, they, they're owner builders and right. that's what a lot of them take more interest in the actual working on. They enjoy that as much or more as as using the project when they're done. So I hate welding. It's it's a it's a growing, growing thing. I mean, there's no loss of interest in my eyes. You know, these old cars are always gonna be valuable.
1: See what happens when you lock cars. a bunch of gear heads up. You tell them they can't go anywhere. <laughs> can't do anything.
2: Oh, yeah? You want to bet? <laughs>
1: Watch just, me. Just
2: make it go faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> I got a 200-mile-per-hour vacuum cleaner now. Watch me. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
2: That lawnmower, look at this. <laughs> Please, I mean, God, so, get him out of the house.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's going to hurt the children. <laughs> well, Rick, thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can find all kinds of in-process project picks from Hot Rod Express on Facebook. And if you head to hotrod-express.com, you can see completed projects, a full list of what they do, and email addies and phone numbers so that you can call and start your own dreaming. Hotrod-express.com. Rick, thanks for joining us on Road Muscle Radio.
2: You're welcome, guys. Thank you for having me, and I hope to catch up with you all soon. We're going to have to do something when we can sit across from one another and have a cocktail.
0: Oh, that is believe me, that is in the plan, Rick. <laughs> oh, twist my arm, <laughs> <laughs> twist my arm. You know it's always fun to talk
1: to a uh, Rick. That, doesn't he just kind of make you feel comfortable? When we were at World of Wheels talking to him, and I was asking him all the questions about the Impala, it was almost embarrassing. The guy knew so much more about oh, my, my car God, than I did. God, yeah. And he's just a wellspring of information. He knows four o nines, but he seems to know uh, everything pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you bring up something to say. Like, oh, yeah, that had blah blah blah, and and then suddenly you're learning stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought, you know, I'm sitting here going, I know everything. I don't know crap.
0: So, <laughs> uh, uh, Rick, and we, we will. That was no lie. We're we're gonna go have a uh, yeah. We learn a couple of cocktails with him and sit in a shop and look at his magic.
1: Yeah, that would be unfortunate. That'd be too bad. Yeah, wouldn't that be terrible?
0: <laughs> we will suffer through that for you, Rick. If you're listening, we with. with we're doing it for you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Thank you for sharing your time with us as we yak about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you've got cool people like you to uh, join us on our way there. So be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio at roadmuscleradio.com and on Twitter. I'm Catfish Groves. I am Brett Hatfield. And we'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio.